It is Tuesday, December 19th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Matthew Moore. Today, a collaboration between the City of Fayetteville, Genesis Church, and Seven Hills provides a work lottery program for the unhoused community. I've benefited by, number one, um, maintaining uh, the bike trail and uh, the town branch area. That's where we're at. We're usually at town branch. Uh, Can you put me on the list? Okay. Plus, representation during the holidays. Black Paper Party is a seasonal celebrations business focused on representation during holidays and special occasions. Think Black Santa, angels, gnomes, all of that. First, this hour's news from NPR. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art invites art enthusiasts to register for Printmaking with Paige Dirksen, an eight-week workshop designed for folks age 55-plus who wish to learn about different forms of printmaking and hone their skills creating unique prints. Classes take place Mondays, January 22nd through March 11th. Information and tickets at crystalbridges.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, December 19th. 2023, I'm Matthew Moore. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF Public Radio in Fayetteville. Later on today's show, the KUAF staff shares some favorite tunes of the year. We have reggaeton, goth, jazz, and just about everything in between. That's in about 20 minutes. First today, a litter abatement program supported by the city of Fayetteville has resulted in more than 100 tons of litter being picked up in 2023. This program is called Pick Me Up, which works to pay unhoused and underserved individuals in Fayetteville to pick up litter and debris along trails and homeless campsites throughout town. Ozarks at Large's Jack Travis takes us to the scene. A crew works to clean litter and debris from an abandoned campsite in South Fayetteville. The group is part of Pick Me Up, a city-supported program that employs residents who are underserved or experiencing homelessness to clean trails, roads, and waterways of debris. Almost every Monday for the past year, people have gathered to sign up for the week's crew during breakfast at Seven Hills Homeless Center. Last week, Marcus Lockhart stood in the cold, waiting to place his name in the lottery for the week's crew. He's participated in the program before and says he appreciates the opportunity to earn money while maintaining Fayetteville's scenery. I've benefited by, number one, um, maintaining uh, the bike trail and uh, the town branch area. That's where we're at. We're usually at town branch. Uh, Can you put me on the list? He pauses to add his name to a shiny new bucket for the week's drawing. Okay, uh, we were in the town branch area, and that, that, that seems to be real problematic with the, with the trash and, and, and the displaced and homeless being right there. Um, so when we come through, I benefited by just keeping the area clean and keeping the local law enforcement um, off our backs. Because when, when the trash starts to pile up or, or when things get out of control, that's when law enforcement comes in. And they tend to move us around a lot. And uh, we go from being kind of semi-homeless with, with, with some kind of shelter to being transient, looking for another place because no matter where we go, we're trespassing, no matter where we go. So it's, so as long as we keep the trash picked up and we keep the area semi-clean, it kind of keeps law enforcement 
at bay a little bit. And I think that that benefits everybody. The program came about as a partnership between the city and Fayetteville's Genesis Church last fall. Heather Elzey is an environmental educator for the city and coordinator for Pick Me Up. She says the program has grown rapidly since its inception. So this program started as a pilot program last fall, and we were able to clear out over 66,000 pounds of trash, um, working with homeless residents, um, or actually residents just in our under-resourced community. Um, Some are sheltered, but most are facing homelessness. Over 125 individuals have now participated in Pick Me Up. Crews have cleaned almost 200,000 pounds of debris that once cluttered natural spaces from South Fayetteville all the way to the Northwest Arkansas Mall. Elsie says the community has stepped in to support the program. For example, the Fayetteville Police Department donated $25,000 to pick me up from its forfeiture fund so they could buy a dump truck to haul waste from cleanup sites to the landfill. Plus, residents will often stop by work sites to provide refreshments. Pick Me Up has expanded past cleaning solely trash, too. This summer, the program partnered with Fayetteville's Free Geek, an internet cafe, and e-waste collector. So anybody that needs to get rid of their uh, e-waste out there, definitely look into Free Geek. They do so much for our community in reducing the amount of e-waste that ends up in the landfill. And so when I reached out to them, and they just had so much coming in, and I was wondering, like, how can the city help Free Geek? Um, and then all the, it hit me, I was like, man, what an awesome partnership. Pick-me-up crews would go out to Geek's e-waste warehouse and sort materials for three days a week. Free Geek increased their output by 98% with additional help from pick-me-up workers. In the end, they were able to divert 21,000 pounds of hazardous e-waste like batteries, computer screens, and radios from the landfill. Furthermore, Elsie says pick-me-up has dedicated itself to battling the threat of invasive species. While we're out there picking up litter we saw an insane amount of the bush honeysuckle, privet, all this invasive species. And I was just having some conversations with some individuals at the Beaver Water District and the Beaver Watershed Alliance. And we were just like, hey, what a cool opportunity for partnership. The Beaver Water District wrote a grant to employ five individuals for Pick Me Up. Now, when the group meets at Seven Hills to draw names... We pull for two teams. We pull for the pick-me-up litter team that goes out three days a week. And then we're also pulling for the Beaver Watershed Alliance invasive plant team. um, And they go out two days a week. So, um, and that's just through the end of December. So we are just piloting this to see what it looks like. And we've already pulled out over an acre of invasive species. Um, Town Branch is looking beautiful and we're really excited. And now we're just talking about maybe this spring coming back out and starting to plant uh, some natives. During last week's cleanup, the litter crew encountered some bush honeysuckle an invasive species currently wreaking havoc throughout the Ozarks. It is an invasive species in Arkansas. Like you said, it came from Japan. That's Tony Holloway. He's a supervisor for Pick Me Up. Uh, So basically what I do is I grab the team from Seven Hills Day Center and get a bunch of guys to work with me. And then we come out here and uh, we do what we're doing now, picking up trash. Tony walks me through the site they're currently cleaning. 
an abandoned campsite in South Fayetteville. That is a trouble area because it's not, it's not like we can just go directly and pick up the trash. We first have to remove that debris, which belongs out here, it's part of the nature. Uh, dig out all the trash over there and then uh, put the branches back over there to make it look like nature. So this is like years of uh, trash and then branches, more trash. So sometimes we do have difficult areas of having to dig it out. It's not like we can just pick it up. We have to bring the rake over here to have what he's doing there, have to drag it. And the thorns here are a big problem for us here because you know, a lot of guys get scratched with them and there's a lot of thorns out here. So I encourage the guys to use protective equipment to be safe. The crews use orange trash bags and grabbers, as well as personal protective equipment like gloves and rakes. You notice everything is orange. So that's, uh, that's kind of like our color. If you see orange, that's the pick me up trash guys. Holloway says he tries to remain conscious they're cleaning up a natural area. We'll be out here all day. And in fact, we'll be out here all week, probably. We'll come back to, uh, we work on Wednesdays and Thursdays, so we'll come back out here and uh, finish up a little bit. We still got a lot of work to do, little small pieces. When we finish this project, you'll see that it'll look like nature. We'll get all the little pieces, like the guys are using a shovel and rake to get all that up. And then we'll come through and manicure it and make it look real nice. See, that's the part that really strikes me, is that you said you bring back the sticks and you make it look like you know, it's just nature. That's right, like nature did, because you can see what nature does. It swirls around and grows stuff. Mm -hmm. So we want that to be able to uh, to look like nature did this. Right, yeah. so why, why do y'all do that? Well, we do it because uh, it, it helps so many aspects of Fayetteville, the tourism. It helps the people who want to come in and invest money into Fayetteville when they see that, hey, we, this is a nice little clean city. So we take pride in it. I do. I take pride I in it. I can tell you have a lot of pride in it. I do. I do. I take pride. And plus our drinking water. You know, this drinking water is the water that eventually we will be drinking after the water Beaver Lake District get doing their thing. So why can't we just try to clean it up as much as we can before it gets to those guys? Josh Park is director of worship at Genesis Church and a pick-me-up coordinator. He and Elsie hosted a presentation for Fayetteville's Environmental Action Committee last month to update the group on how the pick-me-up program has progressed. He says that working with the crews has allowed him to observe the impact of the pick-me-up program firsthand. When you see a pile of trash, when you see those types of things, when you see a, a camp, um, what you're seeing there is really an expression of their brokenness and their trauma. And really, it ultimately, it is a loss of dignity for those people. And so they have, they have just come to the place in their journey where they're fine living in this, in this broken environment. And what we've had the opportunity to do because of the relationship we have with the city and, and with the trash and recycling department is that we've had the opportunity to take people who, who have traditionally been the problem in their area and we've given them the opportunity and shown them that they can be an, an integral part of the solution. Park says people who previously worked with Pick Me Up will often approach him on days when they're not working to request a trash bag to clean up litter in their free time. 
These are the people that you see panhandling on the corner. These are the people you see sitting on the sidewalk. These are the people that you see walking around, pushing shopping carts and things like that. And when they're given the opportunity to be a part of the solution, the amount that they accomplish and the fervor with which they accomplish it is really mind-blowing. Because what's happening is that in there, we're, we're picking up large amounts of litter and really beautifying the city in a great way. But also what's happening is that the people who are involved in our program begin to change their perspective on the environment that they live in. Fayetteville City Council voted on the 2024 budget on November 21st, approving pick-me-up's funding so the program can continue throughout next year. You can visit ozarksatlarge.com for more information about Seven Hills Homeless Center, Genesis Church, Free Geek, the Beaver Watershed Alliance, and all of Fayetteville's environmental initiatives. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jack Travis. Ahead on today's show, filling retail gaps. Black Paper Party is a seasonal celebrations business focused on representation during holidays and special occasions. Think Black Santa, angels, gnomes, all of that. Two of the three founders of the Northwest Arkansas-based Black Paper Party join Randy Wilburn in today's excerpt from I Am Northwest Arkansas. That's in about 15 minutes. The KUAF Giving Tree, now for over a decade, working to provide necessary items and support for our area nonprofits, is teaming up with the Yvonne Richardson Center. The YRCC is committed to shaping today's youth for tomorrow's challenges by providing recreational, educational, and social opportunity. Here's Josh Lane Fiesta with the YRCC. Started in 96 when the building opened up. Had a lot of sports programs in there, a lot of after-school programs there, and it's been growing throughout the years. And in about early 2000s, it uh, flipped over with the Parks and Rec Department. So we've been partnering together, the city and the nonprofit board, which is called the Friends of the YRCC, and we work together to enrich the community. The center is always needing prepackaged snacks, sports equipment, coloring, and activity books, and more. To find out how you can help, visit KUAF.com slash giving tree. Again, that's KUAF.com slash giving tree. Your voice matters. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. The first building on Walmart's new home campus will open next month. The retailer plans to open Walmart Family Whole Health and Fitness on Southeast 5th Street on January 12th. Walmart's massive campus will cover approximately nine city blocks when finished. Most of the campus buildings are expected to be finished in 2025. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders' deputy chief of staff is leaving the post. The governor's office announced yesterday Kelly Eichler is leaving for other opportunities. Jamie Barker, who previously served as the Director of Legislative Affairs, will become Deputy Chief of Staff. Judd Deere will stay on as Deputy Chief of Staff as well. Dr. Teresa Riley has been named the new chair of the Board of Directors for the U.S. Marshals Museum and Foundation. Dr. Riley will be replacing Doug Babb on January 1st, who held the position for more than five years. She also holds the role of Chancellor at the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith. She previously completed the National Police Institute and served as a law enforcement officer and director of security for Central Methodist College in Fayetteville, Missouri. Babb will remain on the board next year in an advisory capacity. 
In an interview with our partner Talk Business and Politics, Bab said, It has been a great privilege to serve as chair for the last five and a half years. He says, quote, My goal was to see that the Marshalls Museum opened to the public. Now we need a leader who can take the museum and our education and programming efforts to the next level. Dr. Riley is the perfect person to lead that effort. The average gallon of gas in Arkansas remains more than a dollar cheaper than the national average. GasBuddy.com reports Arkansans are paying $2.65 for a gallon of gas on average. The national average is nearly $4 a gallon. The cost of a gallon of gas in Arkansas has dropped by almost 21 cents since mid-November. This is Ozarks at Large. As we come to the end of the calendar year, I shot a message to the rest of the team here at KUAF and asked a simple but simultaneously difficult question. What was your favorite song that was released in 2023? Now, I like to think of myself as someone who tries to at least keep up with music, but I was pleasantly surprised that I had not heard a single one of the recommendations from the team. Here's some of those favorites from the year. Hi, my name is Lee Wood. I'm KUAF's general manager. And my favorite song of 2023 was from my favorite release from 2023, from a band out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, called MS Paint. And the song is called Delete It. If you like to listen to music that keeps you guessing, that you have no idea where the next note is going to take you, and that is in a genre that you can't really define, MS Paint is the band for you. Delete It, song of the year. Hi, this is Emerson Alexander from the Listening Lab here at KUAF. One of my favorite songs of 2023 is the track Mojave Ghost by Tiny featuring Bad Bunny. A late summer 2023 release, Tiny is a Grammy Award-winning producer, and this album, Data, was his first solo venture. He teams up with Bad Bunny on this song to bring us a throwback to 80s synthwave, 90s vibes, neon lights, driving with the top down, and thinking about summer love. Hi, I'm Robert Bishop, KUAF's music manager, and my favorite song of 2023 Although Spotify would say that my f- my favorite song is probably uh, 10 hours of continuous rain sounds for sleeping, I'm going to have to give my favorite song to Crime by local darkwave musician Damien Hirst from his album of the same name, Crime. If you love anything 80s or moody or gothy, this is the record for you. It is so good. You gotta be gone. 
Hi, I'm Victoria Hernandez, fall intern for Ozarks at Large, and my favorite album of 2023 is Intellectual Property by Waterparks, a band from Houston, Texas. They've been my favorite band since high school, and the ending song, A Night Out on Earth, literally gives me chills. They're pretty good, and I'm going to see them live for the fourth time in March. Hi, this is Daniel Carruth, Morning Edition host and reporter for Ozarks at Large, and my favorite song of 2023 is Black Classical Music by Yusuf Days. He's a British drummer, and this is his first solo album, and I actually had the pleasure of seeing him live in 2022. Uh, I think this album and this song really showcase his energy and the spark that he has when performing. There are so many elements just in this one song with all these different shapes and shades that I'm always finding something new when I listen to it. He brings a huge breadth of knowledge and skill without it feeling academic, which can be hard on a jazz album, but you can just tell the emotion cuts through and how specific this music is to him. Yeah, it's fresh, exciting, black classical music by Yusuf Days. Check it out. Sophia Narani, and I'm a reporter and producer here at KUAF Public Radio. My top release of the year 2023 was Beep Beep by Nicki Minaj in her new album Pink Friday 2. Pink Friday 2 was a heavily, heavily anticipated album which was released earlier this month on December 8th. It's the fifth studio album from Nicki and a sequel to her first debut album, Pink Friday, which came out in 2010. Beep Beep, FTCU, R&B, and more are all testaments to Nicki's continued musical prowess and her ability to create hits that last with really catchy beats and super creative sampling. Beep Beep, is that bleep? Is that shoot talking to me? Is that deep? I don't even know you exist. Is that beef? When niggas get they jaw broke, is that teeth? Hey there, I'm Pete Hartman, operations manager at KUAF Public Radio. And my favorite song of 2023 is Week in Your Light, a song by Nation of Language from the 2023 Strange Disciple album. And I don't know why I like music anymore. It just, uh, I don't know. I like this piece, and uh, it is my favorite song from this past year. Hope you had a great year, and I hope next year is going to be even better for you. Thanks for listening to KUAF, and thanks for supporting Public Radio. My name is Rachel Sanchez-Smith. I'm a reporter and producer for Ozarks at Large and KUAF. 
I wasn't really sure what to put on my favorite songs for this year, so I went back through my Spotify wrapped to tell me, and immediately the first thing on the list was Shakira's BZRP Music Sessions, Volume 53. It's just, it's witty, funny, it's catchy, and it just feels like the reemergence of Shakira. It's the essence of what you want internet drama to be about, Shakira's wittiness in Spanish, the subtle hints of what's going on in her personal life with just this pettiness that is just so subtle, but so apparent. If you know, you know. Sorry, baby, I said Season's greetings. My name is Jack, and I'm a reporter for Ozarks at Large. My favorite song of 2023 was Dominic Fike's Ant Pile from his album Sunburn. from Lee Wood, Emerson Alexander, Robert Bishop, Vic Hernandez, Daniel Carruth, Sophia Narani, Pete Hartman, Rachel Sanchez-Smith, and Jack Travis. Thank you so much for all of those wonderful recommendations, those songs of the year. My favorite song of the year was by an artist who I think pronounces her name Bia Badubi. Uh, it's so light and just a beautiful little jaunty song. It's got like this nice little swing to it in 6-8. It's called Glue Song. And uh, I have no idea why I love it so much. Kind of like Pete, but it's just really fun. And I hope you like it too. This is Ozarks at Large. This is Ozarks at Large. The latest episode of the podcast, I Am Northwest Arkansas, focuses on entrepreneurship, representation, and teamwork. And it's something of a podcast reunion. Host Randy Wilburn first talked with this week's guest on one of his first editions of the show in 2019. This latest episode features two of the three women behind Black Paper Party, Jasmine Hudson and Jaron Merchant. Black Paper Party fills retail gaps when it comes to holiday decorations and begins with a simple question. Why should the elves, Santas, and fireside families on gift wrapping all look the same? Here's an edited excerpt from the latest I Am Northwest Arkansas episode, beginning with part of Randy Wilburn's introduction. They basically took what I would like like to say they took and leveraged their connect 
connectivity with the community, their artistic abilities, their understanding of business, and married all of that into what is now known as the Black Paper Party, which if you are an African-American, you know better than anybody else that finding things that look like you when you go into the store is sometimes hard. And so they did a really good job of filling in a gap that does exist in the marketplace when it comes to representation in a lot of artifacts that we use for our wrapping papers, for clothing that we wear, for figurines, for even something as simple as a coffee mug. And so Jasmine, Jaron, and Madia have done a great job with Black Paper Party, just basically taking something from nothing and creating an amazing business in the works. And so I said, I had to have them on the podcast again. They were on episode 33, which was entitled Just Ask Jazzy JNWA. That was back in September of 2019. And now four years later, here we are again having a conversation, but it's a much different conversation. So without further ado, I want to welcome Jasmine. I have two parts of the three-part group of Black Paper Party. I have Jasmine and Jerron here in the studios at KUAF. How are you ladies doing? Good, good. good. Excited to be back. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to have you back. Here. I have been a huge fans of yours since we originally met. And then, you know, just kind of watching your evolution has been nothing short of breathtaking. And more importantly, I think as an African-American entrepreneur, it's been truly encouraging. So mm-hmm. I would love for you guys just to kind of give an introduction to the uninitiated that might be listening to this particular podcast episode. I would love for you just to kind of give us a little, just a background of Black Paper Party and how it started in the first place. Oh, wow. Sure. <laughs> So Black Paper Party is a seasonal celebrations business focused on representation during holidays and special occasions. So kind of like what you were saying, Randy, just think Black Santa, angels, gnomes, all of that. And we have everything from um, snow globes to wrap bags, ornaments, and we've even branched out into everyday birthday. So we have paper plates, cups, napkins. We're across 6,000 stores, across uh, six different retailers. So right now you can find us in Walmart, Target, Macy's, Family Dollar, Dollar General, and CVS. We started, like officially started in 2020, and it was all around seeing ourselves represented. So as the company was still reeling from the murder of George Floyd, it was just a very somber time. And we wanted to figure out how could we just insert Black joy and a little bit of levity, if you will, um, in the most tasteful way into our community specifically. So that's kind of how uh, Black Paper Party was founded. And then it was just how do we leverage our skill sets as well? So Jay is an amazing illustrator, animator. Madia has a great background in textile design, product development and sourcing. My background is heavy into retail, merch finance and all of that. So between us three, we literally had the toolbox needed to bring products to market. So once we did that, we just took off. I mean, you guys are like, it was almost like when I look at the skill sets that each of you bring to the table, it was a perfect compliment to each other. Yeah. And, you know, Jaron, I've seen your artwork and I was like, you're, I, when we talked a long time ago. I was like, man, your artwork, you are truly talented as an illustrator. And I mean, you've had a chance to cut your teeth with some very well-known organizations mm-hmm. as you've continued to develop your art. And I remember when my wife first bought one of your mugs and 
she brought it home and it just it brought me such joy to see that oh, you know to see your, happy. yeah <laughs> to see your creation and just just to be able to witness it and and certainly it's one of the only christmas items that i use year round <laughs> so you know so that there's that right but no i think it's well honestly there are a number of reasons why your story is important and it should resonate with a lot of people because i think sometimes as when you think of like the lone entrepreneur mm-hmm. that's in their office cobbling and working day and night you know and it's just them getting oh, yeah. something off the ground and I've been guilty of that, you know, where I didn't have a partner, but you guys not only have one, but you have two partners that work on this and each of you brings a different skill set to the mm-hmm. table. You know, it just, you know, what was that like kind of coming together and deciding that, you know what, you know, we could be so much stronger together than we would separately. What was it that really helped you gel that idea or concept of developing all three of your talents together to to create what is now a very successful business. When we first came together, that was like the big thing we were trying to figure out how with our powers combined, what can we actually make? So we were thinking, you know, with me illustrating a lot of different characters and then Maria being able to take those and put those into print and pattern design, it just made the most sense to do that. And then just sitting down and figuring out where can we make the biggest impact as well. So, and we figured retail would probably be the best. You know, we African-Americans or specifically the Black diaspora in the U.S., we're some of the most prominent shoppers, but you hardly see us reflected in the packaging or the celebrations of holiday season. We were like, we want to fix that. Well, and you know, as you say that, I think about just the impact that we make in so many different arenas, like even movies, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we, we're, we're not as represented in the movies, yet we're some of the biggest purchasers of tickets yeah. for movies. Like yeah. pre-pandemic, we we bought more tickets per or group than any other group. And, and so it's important to understand that the black dollar in the United States is a lot stronger than people realize. Yeah, to build off of that, a lot of people don't know that specifically around the holiday season, Black families in the U.S. spend about $3 billion and they start shopping as early as October. Yeah. So to look up and see essentially like a non-Black Santa that's just been painted brown and has straight hair, (laughs) doesn't really have your features, (laughs) but you're supposed to spend your hard on money on that. Right. It's kind of jarring a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and and I get it. And again, I think, you know, and it's not so much that. I think people just need to understand that representation does matter. It does. It's important. And it, it's one of those things where, man, you really do want to see somebody that looks like you yeah. doing something, whether it's in business, whether it's on the news, whether it's on a podcast. I mean, you just you you want I mean, it, it just it, it's important for you to see that because it reinforces an idea that, hey, if they can do it, I can possibly do it. You know, and I think about and I don't bring this up that often, but my grandfather as the first African-American newscaster with a network, nobody had seen a black person on TV mm-hmm. doing the news until he came. And once he came along, he opened the door for so many others, right? And it's the same way when I think about the work that you guys have done that, not that there haven't been other companies similar to yours, but you're forging a path now that you're going to lay the foundation for somebody else to say, hey, if those folks from Black Paper Party can do it, I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And even just the representation from within the businesses themselves. So one of the things that we're seeing is because we had such a big footprint last year in terms of like our retail reach, now some of those same retailers and more retailers not only are they kind of shopping with more businesses kind of similar to ours, they're actually developing their own programs internally to bring that representation to the shelf. 
So I was saying, and there's some like crazy Facebook forums where these women have like 150 black They're Santas like that they've been Santa collecting since 19, whatever, whatever. Right. But they're saying like, this is one of the first years that they don't have to actually hunt for a black Santa. Mm -hmm. They're just walking into the store and you can just pick up a gnome, an angel. Yeah. I mean, it's not turning into this scavenger hunt that it's been in years past. And there's even some that yeah. like don't want to do the scavenger hunt. So they'll go buy a non-black Santa and paint them They've brown. Been painting. Yeah. So. so I think it's just like the presence of like represented underrepresented communities on shelf right now is a testament to the fact that we were able to kind of lift as we climb or blaze a bit of that trail with the footprint and the splash that we made last year. I think we kind of sparked a wake up call to a lot of our retail friends out there. Yeah. Speaking of which, and when you say retail friends, I mean, you cut your teeth working at Walmart. Yeah. So you had, you had an insight into this industry right. that not everybody has, right? I mean, you were breaking into a space that you knew intimately. Yep. yep. How did that how did that play a role in the success of Black Paper Party? It's a huge role, honestly, because where there's the major learning curve or barriers to entry that you would typically see, we didn't really have that because we spoke the language, we knew the metrics. So whenever it's time to pitch a new business, it wasn't as difficult because we've been pitched too, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So we know what buyers are looking for. We know what the VP DMMs are looking for. We understand when they're talking about trend. We understand their concerns around costing. We we know what a case pack is, you know what I yeah. mean? So whereas it's a bit difficult for someone who just has like, you know, a dollar and a dream that's trying to, you know, get in there. While it's not impossible, it's just a lot less difficult. And that's why we kind of say like our steps are very much ordered because our backgrounds literally lead up to exactly to everything we're doing right now. Like the way you say, like we've cut our teeth. I've been trapped, you know what I mean? <laughs> in the walls, you know what I mean? Of the retailer that I was working with. And because of a lot of those, you know, presentations that I've had to make and those financial deep dives that I've had to do, I can now do that for my business to make sure that we're, you know, healthy and marching towards what we need to march towards as we bring that representation to the market. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, you, listen, I mean, you can't say it any better than that. I think I think it's important. And, you know, certainly if you don't have that background or experience, the next best thing is you've got to do your research, you've yeah, got to do your homework and come research. to the table because it definitely helps you out. Now, Jaron, I know that because of your illustration background, maybe could you talk just a little bit about a recent project or illustration that particularly resonated with you that you've created for Black Paper Party and why did it really did it really kind of set a tone for you? Um, okay. So, oh, wow. I think the most, well, not the most significant, but what comes to mind right now is the holiday stockings that we're designing. Yeah. So we've kind of been trendsetters in the sense that our stockings feature our Black Paper Party characters on them. So you'll see Papa Claus and Anna Claus, and you'll also see like Aunt Holly and the Claus babies. The Claus babies have been a hit. Like all of these kids, seeing them on social media, saying that this looks like me mm -hmm. or this looks like my brother or my sister or my cousin. It's just, it warms my heart because they're seeing themselves. Like it's not something they have to look for. Cause like for me, getting into illustration and animation, it didn't even be, it wasn't even a thought in my mind to do it until I saw another black person doing it. Sure. Like you always see on like Disney Channel or all the other shows where they say they'll show the artist and I'm like, hi, today we're going to draw such and such character from whatever movie. 
I literally saw Bruce W. Smith, who's I'm the creator of Proud Family. I think the Emperor's New Groove had just came out mm-hmm. and he was drawing like Cusco or Yzma or something like that. And then that's when it clicked to me like, oh, this is something that I can actually do. Right. So to be able to create something else that someone else can see themselves reflected in, it's huge. It's monumental. Yeah. Now, you actually participated in a couple of illustrator programs. Was it with Disney or who did you do it with? So I've worked with Sesame Street. I've worked with Netflix. I've worked with Disney. And most recently, I was on the character design team for... Disney Junior's Ariel, which is going to be the preschool version of The Little Mermaid. Sure. sure. So I've done a few projects and I also like I try to help a lot of indie creators get stuff done, too. Yeah. So you'll see if you know my work, you'll know when you see it on TV. Exactly. And I know even you and I have talked about doing Mm -hmm. helping me with something. We got to get back to that conversation. So, yeah, (laughs) because and I totally understand now why you weren't able to kind of help me at the time, because, of course, you've got this wonderful (laughs) thing happening with Black Paper Party. So but that's really exciting. So let's talk just a little bit about, you know, I mean, I guess maybe kind of some of the insights, uh, Jasmine, that you might be able to share in terms of the process of how you guys have conceptualized products and how they've become a reality here at Black Paper Party. What does it take for you to say, okay, here's an idea. Of course, Black Santa, you can put mm-hmm. Black Santa on everything, wrapping paper, mugs. Like I said, I have the, those little kids on a mug. and But I mean, how do you kind of what informs the sure. creation of, of all these products? Well, we take a lot of different routes and then we it's all underscored by the process that we know and have learned based on our backgrounds in retail. So firstly, especially at the beginning, it started off as with like, what do our parents go hunting for? Yeah. You know what I mean? We yeah. know they go look for that black angel. They look for the Santa. They don't necessarily look for gnomes, but we're just like, gnomes are cool. Millennials like gnomes, you know what I mean? (laughs) The emerging generations like gnomes are going to bring in gnomes. So first of all, it was just like, fill the void and then guide with trend. So we start there. So we look at the market, look at what's kind of out there. But it was difficult because what a lot of what we create does not exist. It doesn't exist. So you kind of have to like make it up or just be inspired by. So we look at the market. We also look at just trending things. So we go on TikTok and if there's like a new dance, that could be a new pose for one of the characters. Or if there's a new song, maybe that's a new like spin on it. So long as it's not like copyrighted, Um, you know, like you take a spin on it and that's a new sentiment for bag or it's a new theme. And then we look at trending colors because really we don't want to make just more of the same. Yeah. The goal is to use inspiration and then give people kind of what they want, but with edge to it. Yeah. So for instance, right now in Walmart, you'll be able to find our soul Christmas. So it's very much like Let's say like a James Brown Christmas, you know, that wicker chair that mm-hmm. everyone has that picture that Motown, in. Sure. Nana Claus and Papa Claus are just like in their heyday. So they don't have like the, the white hair and the white beard that, you know what I mean? It, yeah. This back in the day. So she has on this really cute jumpsuit, like <laughs> 70 style jumpsuit, but it's like a Christmas tree cutout. Sure. And Papa he's Claus is Cadillac. delivering his gifts in the Cadillac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just like we take all of that. And then again, so the underscoring of the process, we have the mood board. So we go out and see what exists in terms of 70s and black. 
Then we have our style guide. That means those are the characters, those are the prints, those are the colors. And then we start product development. So that's either by way of licensees who take the creative and develop products, or we develop products on our own. So that's when the sourcing and the specking out of different things, then that's when that happens. And then we got to figure out how much all this going to cost. Yeah, <laughs> and where we're going to yeah. get it from. Right? Yeah. And then, of course, like since it's just three of us, we are legal, we are finance, we are Marketing. sales, we are uh, account management, marketing, we're operations. Like Creative. You just got to. Yeah. It's all in-house. And there's much more to that conversation that you can hear on the latest full episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Host Randy Wilburn talks with Jasmine Hudson and Jerron Merchant from Black Paper Party about many other things, including their recent appearance on the network television program Shark Tank. And the third founder of Black Paper Party, Medea Willis, was unable to be part of this conversation recorded at KUAF because of scheduling conflicts. You can hear the discussion on the podcast available on all platforms as well as at KUAF.com or at IamNorthwestArkansas.com. And you can find out much more about the Black Paper Party at BlackPaperParty.com. This is Ozarks at Large. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. A hard-living Arkansas journalist would gain a national reputation. Hardy Alton Spider Rowland was born in a Sharp County log cabin in 1907. Leaving home at 16, he wandered the country gambling and doing odd jobs. The Arkansas Gazette began publishing articles on his wanderings and later hired him to write a weekly column. Roland was short and thin, with a cigar jutting from his mouth and a black fedora on his head. A bartender shot him four times in 1941 after Roland poured a glass of wine on his head in one of many barroom scrapes. He became the national master of editorial paragraphs, short epigrams used to fill the space at the end of a newspaper's editorial columns, such as, no one knows exactly what the Russians want until they have it. His columns became more political after World War II and always included metaphors, such as when two political foes teamed up and he wrote that neither is responsible for the situation. It just slipped up on them like long-handled underwear. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, a new course at the University of Arkansas about strategic philanthropy. I've had a decent experience working in philanthropy before, but more in like a volunteering aspect or like a team management aspect. Um, so reading the description of this class, I was like, that sounds really unique. And that sounds like a lot of like power for a student to be making these kinds of decisions. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth brings us the story of a class designed to engage students to be agents of impact in their community in a practical way. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large. From Little Rock, I'm Stephen Cook with Songs. On Christmas Eve, I dreamed I traveled all around the earth. And in my dream, I saw and heard the ways the different people hailed the king whose star shone in the east. And what a dream it was. Johnny Cash was born J.R. Cash, February 26, 1932, in Kingsland in Cleveland County in South Arkansas and grew up in Dias in Mississippi County in Northeast Arkansas. Though he first made his name for himself in 1955 on Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee, Cash's move to Columbia Records in mid-1958 saw him musically branching out to concept albums, gospel, folk, protest, even Christmas music. Cash's song, The Christmas Spirit, heard here from the album of the same name, was released in 1963. I said the donkey, shaggy and brown 
I carried his mother up and down. I carried his mother to Bethlehem town. I said the donkey, shaggy and brown. Here's another cash-written Christmas song called The Gifts They Gave from the same 1963 album, Johnny Cash's first Christmas album, for which he wrote four songs. I said the dove from the rafters high. I sang him to sleep that he would not cry. We sang him to sleep, my love and I. I set the dove from the rafters high. Nearly a decade later, Johnny Cash released the Johnny Cash Family Christmas with less contributions from Cash himself and more from his musical family, including June Carter Cash. Nearly a decade after that, in 1980, Johnny Cash recorded an album of Christmas classics such as Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Joy to the World, Silent Night, Away in a Manger, and O Come All Ye Faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Johnny Cash recorded a second album of all traditional Christmas songs in 1991 on the Delta record label called Johnny Cash Country Christmas. In total, Cash recorded four holiday-themed albums, part of his wide-ranging musical catalog. Johnny Cash died September 12, 2003, following a half-century of music, his Christmas music being but one facet of the long and often varied career of South Arkansas-born, Northeast Arkansas-raised Johnny Cash. Here in its entirety is Johnny Cash with Christmas As I Knew It, co-written by June Carter Cash and recorded at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, during rehearsals for Johnny Cash's TV show in late 1970. One day near Christmas when I was just a child, Mama called us together. Mama tried to smile. She said, you know, the cotton crop hadn't been too good this year. There's not a lot of spending money but at least we're all here. I hope you won't expect a lot of Christmas presents. Just be thankful that there's plenty to eat. That'll make things a little more pleasant. And us kids got to thinking how really blessed we were. At least we were all healthy. And most of all, we had her. Roy cut down a pin oak tree and we drug it home, Jack and me. Daddy killed a squirrel and Louise made the bread. Reba decorated the tree with popcorn strings before we went to bed. Yeah, Mom and Daddy sacrificed because this Christmas was kind of lean. After all, there was the babies, Tom and Joanne. And babies got to have a few things. 
I whittled a whistle for my brother Jack. And though we disagreed now and then, when I gave Jack that whistle, he knew I thought the world of him. Mama made the girls' dresses out of flower sacks, and when she ironed them down, you couldn't tell that they hadn't come from town. A sharecropper family across the road didn't have it as good as us. They didn't have a light in their house, and it was way past dusk. And Mama said, well, I bet they don't even have coal oil, let alone apples and oranges and such. Me and Jack took a jar of coal oil and some hickory nuts we had found and walked over to the sharecropper's porch and set them down. A poor old ragged lady eased open the door. She picked up the coal oil and hickory nuts and said, I sure do thank you, and quickly closed the door. We started back home then, Jack and me. About halfway back, we looked, and in the sharecropper's window, at last was a light. So for one of the neighbors and for us, it was a good Christmas night. Christmas came and Christmas went. Christmas that year was heaven sent. And my daddy put on his rubber boots and paced the floor waiting for the thaw. Back home in Dias, Arkansas. Christmas As I Knew It by Johnny Cash, recorded in 1970 at Nashville's Ryman Auditorium during rehearsals for Cash's television show. It's another song of Arkansas. From Little Rock, I'm Stephen Cook with Arkansas. Happy Holidays. Arkansas is underwritten by Arkansas Heritage. Relive your favorite Barton Coliseum concert memories at the Old Statehouse Museum in downtown Little Rock, where they still play it loud. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF 91.3 Fayetteville. Contributors today included Jack Travis, Randy Wilburn, Mark Christ, and Stephen Cook. Thanks again to the KUAF staff for sharing some of their favorite songs of 2023. Matthew produced today's show in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Kyle, you were out on a long weekend yep. uh, over the weekend when I was asking folks and collecting songs from uh, from staff. So you did not get a chance to record and, and give uh, your favorite release of 2023. So putting you on the spot, do you have one? I'm really trying to vamp here to give you a moment to really think through. Do you have Golly, I've got a song? 11 and a half, but you probably just want one. Just one would be Let's good. Let's go the song River from Bonnie Montgomery. Ooh. My goodness, this is a great album. She's an Arkansas native. Uh, she came to the studio, but this song... I told her at the time, it reminds me of Elton John around the Honky Chateau era, but some of the country politan stuff that came out of Nashville Mm -hmm. in the 60s. Beautiful songwriting, beautiful production. All right, we're going to go out on that song. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Callums.